So I have a listener question here, and I just wrote it down as listener mail question, and I don't have a name for whom to attribute this question. So uh, whenever I wrote this question, um, in the time since I've forgotten where it came from or who posed it, so I'm just going to assume that they asked not to be identified because that's more interesting and mysterious. But if it was somebody specific who asked this i've i lost the attribution somehow maybe i wrote this down on my phone or something and just didn't grab the link or whatever but um if this was your question and you would like to be credited for it please kindly remind me that it was you and i'll I'll mention this on the next episode Um, but the question is i'd love to hear you talk a bit more about writing functions in hest i think that this is the part that is least clear to me do you imagine a visual language for writing atomic functions Do you think you will drop down to text at some point, a command palette, whatever it is, I think it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on it. So do you remember last week when I uh, (laughs) talked about the ramifications of spending too much time paying attention to and especially sharing the kind of the fuzzier, you know, softer ideas that I'm not so comfortable with? Well, I'm going to do a whole bunch of that today. So all that stuff from last week out the window, I'm going to actually talk about stuff that um, is what I am hoping to do and thinking about doing and, and, and kind of basing my other design decisions around uh, so that it is all hopefully ultimately going to be complementary. But this is not stuff that I have built. This is all all of what I'm about to talk about is is squarely in the realm of, you know, I've been thinking about this for a while. Um, this is what I've come to as what I think I would like to do. And when I actually get to prototyping it, I will learn a lot more and probably change course on that kind of stuff. But this is like, we're now into the realm of, you know, not built hypothetical stuff in sketchbooks or not even that solid. So taking Hest as what it is right now, like that idea of, it's kind of like a node and wire programming language where the wires are, made a little bit fancier so that you can have a kind of an interactive programming and debugging experience where there's a little bit of liveness where the data is made visible and is um, a little bit personified like i do some things where you know maybe you can attach the camera to the data as it flows and so you follow it or maybe you use your keyboard to kind of like move the data around kind of like a, a character in a video game like i'm trying to make it so that the the relationship that the programmer has with the data has a kind of a game feel to it and that you sort of um, personify the data a little bit you embody the data a little bit and when it comes to the execution i'm i'm not doing anything to or not execution but the functions rather i'm not doing anything there that is meant to be um, like embodied or anything like that it's it's a little bit different so some of the things that I've been thinking about for how you will define functions, I'll just start from like the, the outside and work my way in. With Hest as it is right now, thinking of it as a node and wire programming language is a helpful starting point. Um, nodes are functions, and right now they can be rendered as like an actual text box with the name of the function in it in just in the same way as your typical node and wire programming language would do it. Um, but they don't have to be, they can be rendered as something else. Um, and the other option for that right now in the current prototypes is that you just use another point and it's a function point instead of a data point. And they're both points in the kind of the ontological sense. 
but they are uh, they they still serve the same purpose. They when when a data is conveyed along an edge and it reaches a function point or a text box that has the function name stamped on it, what makes it into a function is that it's actually some reference to some function implemented in the engine behind Hest. So like in my JavaScript code for the prototype, I have, you know, all these function definitions that you can reference from within your Hest program. So there's like, you know, it's the very simple things that I'm able to come up with that are single input, single output in in their construction, because that's what the model of Hest allows right now. We've talked before about how I don't yet have a solution that I'm happy with for making a, a function that can take in multiple arguments because I haven't found a way to square that against the the way that Hest handles time. And, and you run into the coordination problems of how do you make sure that all the data that you need to invoke the function arrives at that function in time for it to be used without introducing queuing and those kind of problems that I think are are going to be hard for me to build a good programming experience around. And that's ultimately kind of my, my, my criteria here is like, what can I do that will, that will let me make an interface that is enjoyable to use and lets you care about the things that I want you to care about as a programmer. Um, and I haven't found a good way to do that when it comes to like managing how many things are sitting in some buffer or somewhere that, you know, might just explode in quantity without you being aware of it. And then you're, you're debugging things that are, you know, I don't have a good way to make that debugging experience pleasurable. And so um, I, I, all of the, the functions that I've built that are available for you to use right now in Hest are single input, single output. So they're like very silly contrived things. They're like uh, X equals. So it's like this is a function block that is going to store some state. Any time you pass a, a value into it, it's going to store that value. And the return from that function is going to be whatever the currently stored value is. So you can use that like a little register or something like that. Um, other things like basic arithmetic arithmetic functions uh something like plus or times or something like that can work on a single argument because they also have a like a fixed value that they also store so like in some of the screenshots and, and gifs that i've shared you've seen like plus one or something like that it's a little plus block with a little one floating in space next to it and you can edit that one or that number that's going to be added the same way you edit anything in Hest currently with the little sidebar where you go over and you change properties on things. And then whenever some numeric data arrives at that function, it gets added to whatever that, that little value that's off to the side is. So you could make like a plus 10 or, or a divided by two or whatever kind of thing, and then pass data through that. Those are, those are basically the only kinds of things I've played with so far in terms of the actual prototypes. Um, a, a couple of other things I played with, like some basic conditional kind of things, and then some some functions that are more for uh, organization, like I've played with send and receive a la Max, where you have a, a little function block that when some data comes in, that, that send block has a name and then Elsewhere, there will be receive blocks with the same name. And so any point that arrives at that send function will be cloned over to all the receive functions, and then it will proceed outwards from there. So it's a way of doing like wires that are, you know, invisible. It's like the same as a wire, but it happens instantaneously and it is invisible, which uh, to me is kind of like, you know, the opposite of what Hest is supposed to be about. And so I, I 
put that in there just for for the sake of playing with it but it's not something that i actually want to be a tool that you would actually use it's just a way for me to kick the tires on on this environment that i've built and conditionals the same kind of thing where you have like some kind of gate and you can send it a specially coded message to open the gate or close the gate and then you can have uh, other messages that don't match the pattern of those specially coded messages will just pass through the gate if it's open or stop at the gate if it's closed and so that's that's kind of what I built so far. What I'm ultimately hoping to push towards is I ultimately want to come up with a really nice set of like, you know, very primitive kind of operations that make sense to do with whatever I end up doing for data structures, because data structures is the other kind of open question. And so one one thing that I'm very um, compelled by is like closures approach to this, where the relationship between the kind of the core functions in closure and the core data types is very carefully considered so that you have very few functions and very few data types, but you can put them together in ways that are like combinatorial. So you have these seek functions and they they work well whether you are using them with lists or vectors or maps or what have you like things like get in or nth or that kind of thing like they're designed to be polymorphic over these different data structures and i um in addition to like the the kind of conditional things that you get in closure like when being a really nice way of of having an if where you know it's only the one branch and I, I really like the way that it constructed its its set of primitive functions that are that are in closure, as opposed to, you know, something like JavaScript or or maybe Python or Ruby, where it's like you have one function for doing this kind of thing with this kind of data and a different function for doing a similar kind of thing with a different kind of data. And you just have these like huge libraries and, and they're not very nice to think about because they sort of were like they feel like they were built up over time with accretion rather than like designed to be a coherent set of things that that is um you know applicable throughout the ages uh, another one that i'm really uh inspired by is lua i think lua's sort of core language primitives are very thoughtfully constructed like you can put the whole spec for lua on a single page i i realize that that's not quite the same as the standard library but that like the the actual primitive pieces that you're going to be building your programs out of are very concisely expressible and that's kind of what i want to eventually spend some time finding for hast is like what are the concisely expressible core pieces from which more complicated things can be built so one of the other big pieces of what is it going to look like to actually define functions is we need some kind of abstraction mechanism we need some way to like take a bunch of small things and put them together and make a composite thing out of them and then just use that composite thing where we want it and then we need to think about like what are the facilities for adapting that composite thing to different cases so whether this is like protocols or interfaces or like generics or what have you like in in languages there are there are these ways to express some logic independent of the particular details for how that logic is going to be applied so some of the things that i'm thinking about for this are that like hest will be dynamically typed i just 
because it's being built assuming a JavaScript-like environment to run on top of, and it's going to be working in terms of JavaScript data, and I'm not really interested in imposing some kind of a type system on top of that, at least not at the language level. Maybe at the interface level there'll be some of that. And, and whether that is with respect to functions or just with respect to data, you know, like schemas or that kind of thing, there's lots of things there that I could explore that I haven't yet. Um, but one of the things that I'm definitely going to want to do is come up with some way to encapsulate behavior and, and probably encapsulate state along with behavior. Like I am, I am very interested in the kind of the small talky model where an object is both state and behavior together. And I think that the fact that Hest encourages you to get so intimate with your data means that having state that can kind of stick around even after, you know, the thread of execution has moved on from any particular spot in the structure of the code having some like some state that sticks around is something that is going to be fine like it's it's going to be something that that this tool lends itself well to so i'm thinking one of the first things that i'm going to try and build is this ability to take a bunch of hest code that is built up out of these primitive pieces and just bundle it up into like you know, you take all the nodes in this little graph that you've made and you select them all and you say collapse it into some kind of single node. And that single node has whatever inputs and outputs it has. And then you open up that node and inside of that node are all of the pieces that you selected and, and wrapped together. So some kind of like grouping thing. And every every visual programming language has this. I think it's a fine method for pulling a bunch of things together and, and making a kind of a slightly abstracted, you know, composite bit of functionality out of those individual pieces um, some of the questions there for how that will be usable are you know like once again i have to solve multiple inputs and outputs and and how that works and uh, also the experience from the perspective of the editor like when you're actually looking at the code and you're in the environment working with it you know what does it look like to actually go into go go from the use of one of these composite functions into its definition one of the things that i really want to leverage for that is the third dimension that hest is being built as a two-dimensional programming environment but i'm building it within a three-dimensional rendering environment because my plan is to use the third dimension as the way uh, not to establish literal relationships in the way you do on the like the up down left right kind of plane but the forward and back plane is how things that have a relationship but that relationship is fuzzy will be established so that if you are like looking at some some function some composite function and you want to go from that to the definition the definition for that thing would appear behind it in space and the camera would just move forward to go from the code that you were looking at that uses the composite over to the code that defines that that implements that composite function and so it doesn't matter uh, which usage of that composite function you're starting from, the definition would always appear behind it in space. So that relationship between those two things spatially is not, it's, it's not like fixed. It's just like ad hoc whenever you need to move from one thing to another thing. And they have a relationship, but that relationship is kind of tenuous or a little fuzzy or whatever that happens through depth. And that allows me to do things like actually draw lines that can convey points through space 
And it, it allows me to do it without them interacting negatively with lines that you are drawing as the programmer to build your system. Like you're doing all your construction of the program on a 2d plane and that frees me up to use the third dimension to do sort of like temporary system level like i need to get in there and use some of the same metaphors that you're using visually in order to you know create that same programming experience so it's sort of like the the two-dimensional plane is your space and the third dimension is my space to you know put in those those lines and and have conveyance and that kind of thing and so that's kind of the question of like, what is the experience of moving between a, a, a usage of a function and the definition of the function is the definition would appear like behind or maybe in front or it doesn't matter just in, in a different depth plane. And the camera would move from one to the other. And I mean, I'm, I, I'd love to get kind of fancy with it and have like, you know, fog or something like that, or like depth of field or something to help like focus your attention to the part that you've expressed is relevant to you at that moment while keeping like that kind of spatial computing metaphor. Like these two things are like adjacent to each other in 3d space. Um, but only one of them is the one that we're paying attention to right now. And so the other one, you want to have the lingering sense that it's still there near you, but it doesn't need to be like actually rendered on screen in the same way that suggests that it's like of equal priority or of equal importance because it's not right now. We're not looking at it. So we can just like blur it out or fuzz it out or fog it out or something like that. Well, you look at the thing that you you do care about. And to me, this is like very analogous to my idea for what to do about data points where it's like you are looking at the data from a distance. It looks like a little dot. It contains the data you're interested within it, but it doesn't look anything in particular on the basis of what that data actually is until you say, hey, I want to actually see that data. And the camera zooms in on that data point and it gets big in the field of view. And then inside there, you see whatever literal depiction of the data is. Is it an image? Okay, you see the bitmap. Is it some JSON? Okay, you see the text of the JSON. Is it, you know, a sound? You see the waveform, that kind of thing when you go up and close. So functions similarly, like you see the call site of the function. It's got the wires going into it. It's labeled or named or given a visual symbol that comes from its definition. And I'll talk about that in a sec. Hopefully this episode's not going to be the longest one ever. But uh, you, you see it from a distance and it's this kind of abstract representation. But then you can say, okay, it has to show me where this thing is implemented. And you like then the camera moves. And, and if you are following some data as you are going on this journey, the data comes with you into you know, into the depth plane where that definition will now appear. And then you can continue looking at that stuff and following it through and, and figuring out what the implementation of this function is. And then when you're done, you know, you come back out, the return value comes back out if you're following some data point or something like that. And it returns you to the depth plane where your main level code was or whatever previous level you were looking at before you went into that definition. And so what uh, the other piece of this is like, what is Hest's opinion on naming or how do you establish identity for these sort of functions? Um, my, my current thinking about this is that I would like to have some way to establish like some region inside the definition where you get to 
uh, like graphically express what you want the appearance of this thing to be, whether that's like it's a little, you know, a cube or something like that. And within that, if you put some text, that text is going to be rendered as the label on the function when when viewed from a call site. Uh, if you put some little drawing in there like that will form the symbol that is used as the as the symbolic name for this function or what have you. Uh, that's one option is like put it within a little volume within the function or a little square since it's going to be on a 2D plane, probably a little square region that you can set to be whatever size and shape you want, that sort of thing. I've had some other ideas like maybe one of the things I eventually want to use is the idea of layers a la Photoshop, SimCity, Factorial, whatever, where different layers show you different views or different kinds of information about your program. And I think that I think that's what I want to burn the layer metaphor on. That's one of the things where it's like layers as a metaphor, you you kind of have to pick one thing you're going to burn that metaphor on. So is it going to be layers in the sense of like, I've got some code on one layer and some code on another layer, and I can toggle them back and forth. And in that way, it's kind of like code folding in an editor where it's like, I want to see all of my layers. No, I just want to see this one layer. Or is it going to be something, and this is what I'm leaning more towards, where layers are used to show you different kinds of information and there's only like one layer on which your code lives in the kind of the standard view, but then the other layers are like, it's a heat map of runtime performance information overlaid on top of your code, or it shows the connections between the code in a different way that aren't about the explicit connections that you've made using your paths that can have points conveyed along them, but it is instead, you know, maybe some kind of semantic overlay that shows like this, this code over here is uh, orchestration and this code over here is like very imperative kind of work and then this code over here is like some pure functional calculation kind of stuff and maybe those are like overlays that you make as a kind of documentation right but you do it on this other layer i don't know not sure but one of the ideas for um what i could use that style of layering for is that one of the layers is a layer that is used to put in the graphical details that are meant to be viewed from outside and i'm putting outside in air quotes here where like if 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 uh, you're at the top level of your program and you're wanting to build a user interface for the ultimate user of your software you'd put it on that layer and your code lives on a separate layer that is like you know explicitly not visible to the end user the same pattern could apply when you're defining a function where you have one level of the function is the actual hest code with the paths and and data points flowing along them but another level would be here is what the graphical presentation of this function should look like and it would be wired up to all of your code that is implementing this function but it's on a separate layer that is like only the stuff on this layer is going to be viewable from outside and it's going to be viewable at this scale and then that would give you a place to like build like a widgetized interface for a function so if i am leaning in this direction of like functions are stateful and they are more like objects i think like making them uh widgetable is is like a very natural thing to want to do also and so i'm trying to allow for that to be a possibility so it would be not just that from the outside your functions look like a name or you know a, a little symbol that you've drawn or something like that where you like mark on the symbol like hey i've drawn this little like cute symbol that represents this bit of functionality and here are the spots that i've put in to 
serve as where edges would hook up to for the sake of conveyance. Um, so it wouldn't just be that. It could also be like, hey, here's a little interface that I've, I've drawn with the graphics tools and I've hooked that up to my implementation code to like adjust the interface as as the way that it is being used changes and to also you know collect whatever data is being input through that little widget interface so yeah so it might be like a a layer is dedicated to doing that as well so that uh, this is kind of a longer episode um but that is my kind of current thinking about how function definition will work just to, to just to recap it very briefly you have some kind of language level primitive operations out of which you will build things. And those are like your standard fare kind of things like your conditionals and your arithmetic kind of stuff and any kind of like loading and storing of data from places, whatever those places might be. It might not be like loading and storing data over the network or from a disk or something, but even like loading or storing data from like, if there's some kind of in-memory database that is like inherently part of the programming model or something like that. Um, just, just your, like your most basic data structure operations, that kind of thing. And, and there will probably be like, uh, some some very core level things that are about like creation of nodes, creation of edges, creation of points, that kind of thing. I mean, there already are some of that in the prototypes because you got to have that. And then also like collecting input from input sources. So at some point, I'm going to decide what all those things are. And then and then it will also be probably a standard library of more robust things. And then also like wrapped versions of things from the lower level runtime, like JS or the browser or whatever, that I want to expose without actually including that as part of the core conceptual model of Hest. So it's like if in some hypothetical future, I port Hest to Swift or something like that, there'd be a different set of those kind of things like that kind of like platform library or something like that. Uh, and then and then so that's like the the core language primitives. And then um, there's also the aspect of like, what does it look like visually? Um, and and how do you construct these kind of things? And I'm really thinking like you just draw some nodes and wires and, and hook them up and then group them together into a thing and you do something to give that that grouped thing that composite thing an identity, whether that's a name or a picture or a little widget interface. And then the way that you move from function invocation, um, or from a call site to the definition is just by using the depth plane and having those things related you know one in front of the other and kind of go forward and backward so that's i think those are all the pieces um and i've considered many many other ways also and this is just what i'm kind of leaning towards right now maybe in a future episode i'll go into some of the like you know um stuff from the cutting room floor and of course all of this is a, um, we'll see what actually ends up happening in what order as I continue working on this in the future over the next decade or however long I'm giving myself to do this. And and then also, you know, what kind of stuff as I prototype it, it turns out, nope, that sucks. Hate it. Doing something else. So yeah, thank you, uh, anonymous listener for that question. And I don't normally end these episodes in such a self-referential kind of way. <laughs>